Quick question for you. Are you a Federal Access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a Federal Access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates as well as our video training playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM Federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. I have Megan here with me today. Megan, why don't you take a minute to tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hey, Mike, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Longtime fan of Game Changers, so you're doing some awesome stuff. My name is Megan Niven-Tanit. I'm based out of Huntsville, Alabama, and I am the CEO and founder of a strategic marketing and public relations firm called Lourish. And we support businesses of all sizes. We support a lot of government contractors that are based here in our area. A lot of people don't know that Huntsville is home to Redstone Arsenal, which is a major, major military base founded here back in the 40s in support of the space system and the space mission that was going going on back then by uh, Warner Von Braun. Our economy is just fueled with rocket scientists and folks that are involved in sending rockets up to space, which we've got a lot of exciting stuff happening right now. And what has you know, returned with that is a lot of companies who have started government contracting firms to support uh, the federal government and Department of Defense. We support companies of all sizes, and we're thrilled to be here today to talk about how you can build a comprehensive marketing strategy if you're in the government contracting world. So thanks for having us. Yeah, no, we're excited to have you on here. Like I said, we could probably talk for hours about marketing. And we already know going into this one, we're going to be doing a two-part series. This is part one, where we are talking a little bit about building the marketing strategy and some pieces that go into that and all that kind of stuff. And then one of your counterparts is going to come on and he's going to help us talk about actually executing it and those sort of things. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that so that folks that are just tuning in here can get a feel for what this podcast and that one will, will have in it going together. Yes. And I'm so appreciative that you were down for this two-part series because I can't tell you how many times we've sat down with companies for the very first time who haven't necessarily embarked or outsourced or had strategic marketing support in the past and they kind of cock their head and they're like, so what can you do besides post on Facebook? And I'm like, oh my goodness, how much time do we have? That's when I really like to geek out. So I thought it would be really great that as opposed to us just talking about the fundamentals behind developing a comprehensive marketing strategy for government contractors, we can talk the talk, but then we can have, as you mentioned, one of our counterparts, JS Solutions, on the second part of this two-part series, really talk about the execution and how that's worked for them as Mm -hmm. a government contractor. They can be the ones to say, we may have been skeptical early on, but after we've gone through this process and have identified a really strategic partner um, in our team, you know, here's what we've been able to determine and how the the needle has really moved for us. That way, it's not just us talking about the fundamentals and the principles, but then it's then really them kind of validating and providing, you know, the credibility behind what some of those actions have actually yielded their business. Yeah, no, that's really good. And, you know, one of my first questions for you is why do most companies fail when they are coming up with their marketing plan and all of that sort of thing? And, And I think a lot of them do really well at the planning side. It's the execution that's so poor. But then when you think about the planning, there's all these little things that they just don't know what to do. And what I relate it to a lot of times is the fact that most people are really good at what 
they do, digging ditches, cybersecurity, whatever it may be and everything in between, but they're not necessarily good at being a business owner and all the little things you have to learn. From your perspective, why do most companies fail when it comes to building their marketing plan? I think you make a lot of really great points there. And this quote was not mine. I found it somewhere, you know, the quote of, you know, your failure to plan is planning to fail. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You can have a lot of great big ideas right off the bat, but the execution is where most folks really fall short. So I know we'll get to this a little bit later on in the podcast, but some of the things that really we encourage folks to do right from the beginning is to do your homework before you spend any Mm -hmm. time, before you invest any money, before you bring anybody on to support your marketing needs, you've got to roll up your sleeves and really figure out what landscape it is that you're working within and what goals you're trying to achieve. And if you don't understand what are those longer term objectives you're trying to accomplish, and we always ask our clients, where do you want your business to be one, three, five years down the road? That's the length of time that we really want to focus on. This isn't where you want to be tomorrow. And as you know, having a background in marketing, you know that unless you are selling cheeseburgers and have a billboard on the side of the road with a big red arrow pointing here, you know, or hot donut, something like that, you can't necessarily make an investment for today that you will yield results on tomorrow. In order to ensure that every dime that you invest in your marketing efforts is strategic and impactful, you've got to do that research up front to make sure that the message that you're conveying out is going to resonate with the audience that you're going after. Um, You've got to understand the competitive landscape to make sure that you are being strategic and differentiated enough that way you don't blend in with the crowd. And you've got to understand really what efforts are going to yield the greatest result. The other part to that too is being really, really realistic. I think a lot of times we set these big arduous goals of, Hey, I'm going to run a marathon in three months. Well, guess what? If you've never run, you trying to run 26.2 miles and train for that in three months is not a very realistic goal. Unless the only thing you are doing is living and breathing and eating running. And even then it's going to be a stretch because everybody's body is totally different. So you've got to have realistic goals about what it is that you're trying to achieve. That way you can start to really do your research, implement some of those tactics, measure what's actually working and then be able to tweak and adjust. I think from the execution perspective, where a lot of companies fail is that they don't actually measure what it is that they're doing. Hey, we're going to go invest, you know, 15, 20 grand this trade show booth, but we have no plan as it relates to pre-show business development and nurturing. We have no intent for on-site engagement and really what we're doing with any of those leads that we receive while we're there. Our messaging is totally off and not resonating with the audience and what maybe some of those topics that are being discussed at that particular show is really top of mind for a lot of those attendees. And then after the show, you sit back and just wonder what's going to happen without actually having a campaign plan in place. So without having a specific campaign in place, that way you can effectively measure what those efforts are yielding. There's really no way for you to determine what's working and what's not working. And here's the thing too, as you know, with a marketing background, 15, 20 years ago, we were really limited to executing on a lot of traditional advertising and marketing methods. Methods, which may have been, you know, invest a couple thousand dollars for a big print ad in a, a newspaper or get a billboard on the side of the road or, you know, get a nice print ad in an industry publication that comes out quarterly or something along those lines. And we didn't necessarily have the tactics available to us to be able to measure what the return on investment is going to be for those types of things. You just hope that once that publication deploys or that trade show is up, that you start to see a spike in phone calls that come into your office. The beauty now with digital marketing 
is that you can implement measuring tactics at every single aspect of the life cycle. You really, really can, which can drive us a little bit crazy, but that is data that should absolutely influence how you make decisions moving forward on where you invest those dollars. One piece of advice um, and something that we hold ourselves very, very honest to with our clients is that if we can't measure what we are doing, we are very, very honest about that upfront. And it's kind of like a pie chart based on your budget, based on your audience, based on your geo target that you're trying to go after. It may be that you can afford to do a variety of different elements, which we would call an omni-channel marketing approach. So you've got some email marketing. You Maybe you do have some billboard based on, hey, if you're in Huntsville and you're in Redstone Arsenal and you've got you know a company based out there, that's a great place to be able to market your business. Maybe you have some print ads and some trade publications. You're at a trade show. You're doing some digital ads. You're doing some biz dev outreach on LinkedIn. You're doing all these different things. You may not be able to measure exactly the metrics behind every single one of those tactics, which is going to be okay. But you've got to make sure that what you can measure, you do. And you monitor it very, very closely. And I think when we look at the failure to execute successfully, that's definitely an element that falls within that category. Because number one, you may not know how to measure it. Um, You may not know what a successful measure might be. Um, You may have a very unrealistic expectation. Hey, we want to increase website traffic by 5,000%. Really? By investing 30 bucks on a a Facebook ad? Let's just really doing that research up front, implementing realistic execution tactics that you can be able to measure and then keeping a very, very close eye on it is key to make sure you can understand where you can yield the greatest ROI. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you started there because anybody that's worked with me will know that I ask questions about stuff you should have been measuring. Like what is your conversion rate on your proposals? Uh, You know, how many calls are your people making? How many decision makers are they talking to? And it's things that are so simple. I think we just overcomplicate it. So for me, I'm like, you don't have to use a CRM if you don't want to. You don't have to use an Excel spreadsheet if you don't want to. I don't care if you're doing it with a chalkboard. Like if you literally are going back to that and you literally have multicolored chalk of, you know, what you're putting tick marks by or a notebook or whatever, it's just measuring what you're doing because you can't optimize what you don't measure. You don't know what's going on. And then when you tweak it and you've made some changes, you kind of go on that gut feel of, well, I think this is better, but over time we can actually get rid of thinking and we can know what's better. We do that in our business on everything we do, whether it's, you know, something in marketing or sales or whatever it is, just to know, is the thing we're doing now working? Is it better than the thing we had before? Or do we need to continue to optimize it? And I'm always optimizing it because I think a lot of times people get sort of blinded to what you're doing. I always, my wife does a lot of marketing and stuff in our business. And I'm like, look, it's it's like that last three or four miles on the way home. You just get blind to it. You get so used to every bit of it. You don't see any of that stuff anymore. And so you've got to change it up so that people can actually go, oh, what is that? And it stops them in their tracks and they look at it. I love the aspect of measuring things. And I like what you talked about with research. When people come to us, that's always the first question is who buys what you sell and how do they buy it? And they're like, I don't know the government and credit card like I or, you know, RFP, like those are the things. And it's like, well, there's a whole lot of answers to those two questions and you can't build a marketing strategy around selling to the government and credit cards. Like you can't build a strategy around that. You've got to know all of those little details to make that happen. I'm going to say, you know, I mean, to your point, I think you have to do what works for you. You know, I mean, to your point, I mean, it's not that you have to go out and invest, you know, $15,000 in Salesforce. If you're a small, you know, government contracting firm looking to win one or two contracts, you don't have to do that. There's great tools. If 
you want a CRM, guess what? Get the HubSpot free CRM. It's completely free. And it's, I mean, we love HubSpot, right? It's amazing and it's free. And it's such a great resource of marketing tools beyond what you can do with a CRM. But there, there are very, or shoot, have an Excel spreadsheet. Who cares? Do whatever works for you. And I will say, you know, as a small business owner myself, um, we'll be four years old in March. And so we're coming up on our, on our birthday. Let me tell you, I ask every single person, how did you hear about us? How did you hear about us? What's our public perception like? You know, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you know about Flourish? Every single person, whether it's a new hire from going through the, you know, the, the hiring process, or if it's a prospect who comes through our website or gives us a call and just wants to get more information, that is the first question I always ask. How did you hear about us? And nine times out of 10, it's a referral through something like this, or, you know, teaching a workshop through local organizations that help government contractors or whatever it might be. But to your point, this can be a challenge, but the more that you're able able to measure the return on some of your efforts, the more you're able to understand maybe some efforts are a total time suck and they're not worth your time. Mm-hmm. If building a return that's directly contributing to what you need to get out of that initiative, you probably need to think about not doing it anymore. So making sure that, you know, hey, if you are teaching a free course at a local college and that's taking up, you know, 20% of your time per month, that's not able to be billed to a client and you're not really filling any sort of pipeline with that. Is that really worth your time right now? Maybe it will be down the road when you've got a little bit more time you can free up, but really evaluate what efforts you're doing and what's yielding the greatest return. Yeah, no, that's really great advice because I do see a lot of clients wasting time on things that they think, hey, this is going to yield results. And I'm like, is it yielding anything right now? Like literally anything. Do you have even the slightest hint of anything working? And and I do know that things take time to work like a podcast. You know, we had almost no listeners our first year and now we have thousands of listeners every single month. It took time to build that, but we still had an indication early on on that it was working. It was at least building momentum. People spend too much time on a strategy and it may be because it's the only strategy they know or they think, hey, I'm just going to stick with this and eventually it'll work. We can't always stick to the add something else to what you're doing at a minimum in order to see what's out there. So what are some of the things when you work with a client that you talk to them about they should do before kind of building out their strategy? Yeah. So this is something that, and I know we We've talked a little bit about this offline, but I like to totally geek out over this. This is like where I, I I hit my stride. You know what I mean? Because this is one of those things that not only do I enjoy doing it, but number, you know, the second part of that is that most clients, their their eyes are totally wide open and they're like, holy cow, I had no idea. And so anytime we engage with a new client and, and JS Solutions, who will be on part two of this series, was, was a perfect example of that. And they can share with you and your audience a little bit about their experience going through this. We always do what we call, um, it's nothing fancy, but it's our discovery and research phase. So the first 30 to 45 days of any partnership that we engage in, we roll up our sleeves and we do heavy competitive research. We do a lot of, um, you know, research around the industry itself. For us in particular, we really spin, you know, sharpen our skills around what's going on with the Army's modernization needs, because that's really aligning with a lot of these contracts that some of our government contractors are going after. So making sure we incorporate some of that messaging into our communication and we really 
really understand any federal changes and or tweaks across industry-wide that may impact some of those efforts that we execute. Those are things we should really know about. We also interview stakeholders within the organization. So depending on the size of the company, we'll interview representatives within the organization from like their biz dev team, their leadership team, maybe someone who, you know, started right out of college and has kind of worked their way up the ranks. And the reason why we do that is that way we can get a good 360 degree glimpse of all things that company. And we can really, really understand how to differentiate that organization beyond what they're doing for themselves. We're a perfect example of this. And I'm sure you understand this and a lot of businesses do. It took us a really long time to actually begin marketing our company Flourish because we were marketing all of our clients. Mm. <laughs> and so like, you know, we were the last ones to get the love, right? So we, you know, we would have clients come to us and say, gosh, we love your name. Like your name is just so great. You should do something really cool with that. And I'm like, really? Like, it's just, that's just who we are. But like, we, we live it, we breathe it, all of that. So, so we're close to it. And I think it's the same thing with any government contracting firm, right? Mm -hmm. They're so to their own business that sometimes they don't look at their own business through an unbiased lens that really allows them to identify what their unique differentiators are and figure out a way they can kind of carve out their own niche against a sea of what you know is a very saturated market, especially here where we are. Alabama. And so we, we spend the first couple of weeks doing a lot of research around understanding the company, understanding the culture, understanding the capabilities and unique differentiators. We do a full brand assessment. And that is look at your logo, look at your messaging, look at your online presence, all social media, all website. How's their SEO or search engine optimization hindering them or helping them? We do a full assessment of all of that. And at the end of the day, after that time frame, the output of that is a strategic marketing and communications recommendation recommendation that can hover anywhere between 50 to 75 pages long. And it sounds really, really big, but that's their investment in our company to ensure that we do the due diligence. That way we can make recommendations based on fact, based on data, based on where they stand in the marketplace, according to our perspective. And then once we present that plan to a team, we then execute and manage it on their behalf. That process that a lot of our clients go through, all of our clients go through is a very eye-opening one because we'll sit down with a CEO of a company and he'll say, gosh, I had no idea. And I'll just use this as an example. I had no idea that we had such a negative perception on our culture internally. Mm. And guess what? That's hindering our ability to recruit and retain employees. And right now where we are, recruitment is a massive deal because our economy is strong as can be, but it's a very, very competitive landscape from a recruitment perspective, especially if you're in the cybersecurity world. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you can ticket, right? But a company's got to be able to position themselves, you know, appropriately. And if they don't understand some of those internal challenges that maybe, you know, an employee who's only been there, you know, one or two years is willing to share with us, but not with their superior, that's a big eye opener and an oversight that perhaps they wouldn't factor into their marketing strategy. And a lot of folks don't understand, which is also something that we spend a lot of time on is that oftentimes HR and marketing absolutely 100% overlap because what you're doing internally to um, communicate to your employees how you're handling crisis management, everything that's gone on with the COVID pandemic. How have you handled that from a leadership perspective? And how has that trickled down to some of your newest employees? If they feel left in the dark and they don't understand what's going on with the long-term vision of the company, how can they be the best ambassador on behalf of your organization? Yeah. That is the best 
an ambassador you could possibly have to represent your company, both what they say on Glassdoor, what they say on social media, what they say to their friends when their friends are looking for a job. I mean, it just has this ripple effect across the organization. And that's just looking at the internal perspective of things. So that plan is really very, very comprehensive of all of those types of factors. I look at it as almost like a Mac Daddy SWOT analysis. You know what I mean? If you could kind of look at it that way, where we're really evaluating everything and then with the understanding of the market, who they're trying to go after and in alignment with their core objectives that, hey, this is where we want our business to be in one, three, five years down the road. The output is that plan that then sets them up to get to that place. Now, one thing I will say, because you made me think of this earlier, Michael, is that with any strategy, I want to just put a major, major disclaimer on that. Just because we develop a marketing strategy does not mean that that is concrete and it stays in place for a year. Your marketing strategy should be revisited every single quarter and can potentially change based on the market changes. God knows that all of us have had to adjust and be agile over two and a half years. And there is no way that the plan we had at the end of 2019 is still relevant in the beginning of 2022. So you have to be really flexible and agile and adaptable to what is going on in the market. And I think to your point earlier, where you have a lot of companies that fail on execution, they lose sight of that because frankly, they don't have the time, bandwidth or resources to pay close enough attention to it because they're trying to run a business. They don't have the dedicated effort that they need to really, really keep that consistent pulse on what's going on over here and what's going on over there. And how are our employees responding to this? How is our engagement out online? And what's the user behavior on our website? Are people even paying attention to what we're saying? Um, How can we tweak that to make it better, more robust, more engaging? So those are the types of questions that you have to constantly be asking yourself. And guess what? As a business owner who doesn't have that expertise in their back pocket, that's nearly impossible to achieve. The intent might be there, but the delivery and the execution is just not because that's just not your skill set. All great points. I could probably talk for an hour on several of them. When it comes to marketing, I I think we also, this is something that that I've seen in in our company and other companies. I've seen it in myself. We also look at our stuff and we're hesitant about putting it out there. We feel like, hey, I'm talking too much about our company. We had this discussion literally yesterday where someone on the team was like, hey, I think we're promoting our books too much on your LinkedIn. That was the, the thing. I think we're promoting it too much on your LinkedIn. And I said, we have three posts a week, three, not three a day, three posts a week where we talk about each individual book and not everybody's going to see that. We're not even remotely promoting it enough, but you're seeing what we post because you're on the team and that makes you feel like we're just talking about this too much. We're just talking about it too much. You know, and it's like, no, we could be talking about it way more than we do, but you're trying to hold back. And so I see these companies that they post once a week or once a month and they're like, are we talking too much about ourselves or whatever? And it's like, not if you're providing value, like if you're just saying, hey, go buy my stuff and that's all you're doing. But if you're providing value, like we don't just say, hey, go buy the book. We'll ask a question about a chapter in the book. Hey, do you have this problem? Hey, this is how we solve this. It's in this chapter of the book or whatever. So we're trying to make it more engaging and that sort of thing. But I think that's where business owners get too hung up about, well, I'm bragging about myself and the company and how does that look? And it's like, people need to know you're out there. People need to know you're awesome. They need to know about your successes and all those kind of things, but you don't want to share it because you've been taught that it's bragging or whatever it may be. And that's just not it. You're just getting the facts out into the market. Before we close this one up, kind of like going into our final thoughts here, specific to GovCon, are there maybe 
maybe three or four pieces of that plan that you would say are just critical for GovCon folks when they're building a strategic marketing plan or whatever we want to call it? What are these three or four components that you're like, you've got to have these three or four things, even if you don't listen to anything else we're saying, these three or four, those are, are critical. So I will say that I think it really does depend on the core objectives for that particular company. So a lot of the companies that you know we support right now, a big push for them, I mean, a big need for them is recruitment because they they know that they're going to be winning a contract or a contract's going to be coming down the pipeline that they're suited to win. And they've got to be able to fill the seats and be able to ensure that they can you know maintain the employees that they need to. So that's a big part of them or some of the things that they're focused on. To your point though, providing content is something that I think is so overlooked. I had this conversation about a week ago where um, one of our clients, they're, you know, somewhat new to the team. And she, you know, she made this comment along the lines of, well, we don't want to be doing what everybody else is doing. And I'm like, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing, but your brand needs to be relevant. And at least part of the conversation sitting behind the sidelines and not even being part of the dialogue is not going to do you any favors. Think about it this way. If you go to a networking event and everybody is communicating with each other, if you choose to stay in the corner and not have a conversation because everybody else is having a conversation, how do you think that networking event is going to go for you? It's the same exact, you know, comparison when you look at the digital world. So yes, you're not saying me, 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 but you're adding value and saying, well, what are some of the challenges that you have, Michael? Oh, well, let me share with you about some of the skill sets that we have to offer that might be able to fit that need. So you're adding value. You're not being too salesy, but you've got to be relevant and make sure that you're part of the conversation. In addition, having an updated online presence is key because it shows relevancy. When you've got these KOs who are doing research and trying to understand who some of these companies are and your website has a copyright of like 1997 on it, like, let me tell you, they're not going to think that you're number one still in business, but number two are even up to the caliber of company that the government is looking for to support some of these super technical needs. So make sure that the outside of your house represents the inside of your house. You know, we just simplify it as much as possible. And that comes down to, you know, your online presence with a website, which by the way, if you don't have a massive budget to get a website started, you can get one spun up very, very easily using sites like Squarespace. I mean, you can do a site very, very simple for very low effort to be able to get that set up. Your LinkedIn profile. I mean, I know you talk about it all the time on Game Changers. What a phenomenal place to get a sneak peek into your company, not only from a recruitment perspective, a cultural perspective, but a capabilities perspective. So making sure that those things are relevant and updated, I think is going to be key. And some of the basic things, make sure that your profiles through sam.gov and, and, you know, government resources are updated and relevant. In addition to, I think being part of just the regular news cycle to talk about your wins, talk about your progression, talk about the, you know, advanced forward movement traction that your business and or key employees are making in this space is going to be key. Publicizing that. Don't be so afraid to talk about your wins and talk about what you're doing, because guess what? If you don't talk about it nine times out of 10, other people will not either. I heard this comparison not that long ago, but it was, if you don't toot your own horn, no one's going to hear your music. Just make sure that you toot Mm. your horn the right way and check your ego at the door and lead with value. You know, I mean, there's definitely some, some great ways to be able to do that. Just don't overcomplicate it. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really good stuff. And to your point, several minutes ago, I, I totally forgot what I was going to ask, but uh, I was like, hey, I just remembered when you were talking about the recruiting aspect and how you guys come in and you interview people and all those kind of things. One of the things that's interesting about interviewing employees is the things they don't say. And I think we key in on those sort of things where like an owner will look at a report and say, well, no one said anything bad when we did a survey. Right. But no one said anything good either. Well, I never heard the words, I love working here. Never once. I never heard somebody say, well, yeah, you know, once I got here and loved it so much, I brought my friend Joe and Sue. I've been a a co-worker somewhere before. And when I liked working somewhere, I recruited my friends. That's what you do. But when you hate where you work, you don't recruit anybody. The other point is about what you just said about the website. I find it hilarious, actually, when I go on a website for a technology company and they have the copyright of like 1997 or whatever on there and they clearly haven't updated things they've got the original like ipod on there as in photos and and stuff like that and you're like you guys are supposed to be a technology company and you clearly haven't updated your website in years all kind of things like this it doesn't work there's all kind of things broken you haven't checked it and then my last point on that is when somebody's trying to say hey we're a social media company or we're a whatever company and they're not eating their own dog food that you know that whole saying there okay so you're a social media company, but you know, your LinkedIn has a hundred followers. Your Twitter has 18 followers. Your Facebook page has 25. Like you, are you using the stuff that you are trying to sell me? And the same thing with anybody selling to the government, when you sell whatever, and you could use it on yourself, but you don't, that's always a head scratcher to me when I see that going on in business. Not everybody can do it. You know, I've got a client right now who makes uh, like bomb disposal kits. He's down there in the Huntsville area. And like they make these bomb disposal kits. They can't use that on themselves, right? You know, there's nothing they can do. Um, Yeah, yeah, they were hoping they can't. I mean, that's what his prior career was. Great guy. Love that business. But it's one of those things where most of the time we can use our own stuff somewhere in our business. And a lot of times we just don't. We just we just left it undone. So I think, I mean, and granted, I know this is a little bit different for, for GovCon, but you know, us being a marketing company, we do trial and error on our business before yeah. we bring it to our clients. I encourage our team to treat Flourish almost as a sandbox, yep. you know, it's not like, Hey, just go, you know, waste money away, but let's do some trial and error and just see what works and what doesn't. I mean, social media specifically and digital media changes every single day, especially with social media platforms and the algorithms and all of that. And so we, we kind of just do some beta testing on our own business and we, we've got a budget for that. It's a kind of a throwaway budget, but guess what? Just like a lot of tech companies who hold internal hackathons, oftentimes when you go through that process, that's when you really start to find solutions to challenges that you otherwise wouldn't have discovered, you know, because yeah. you're just still so focused on the task at hand. You're not encouraged to just let the reins go, loosen the parameters and just think outside the box a little bit. So I would definitely echo that. Yeah, no, no, that's really good. And, and I think as you were talking, part of what you mentioned earlier too, and, and uh, we can maybe close on this one point here is a lot of people just don't professionalize their stuff with good writing, good graphics, good look and feel. And it's so simple now as to when I remember when I wrote my first website, you literally had to learn this stuff in HTML and you had the text documents or however you would do it and you'd write it in that and then convert it over to an HTML file. It's a different world with just drag and drop. You can make stuff look so pretty, so easy 
easily, so professional, and not only on your website, but your capability statement and all your documents, and just make them look really like world-class stuff so easily. And it's great to have a company come in and look at that stuff and give an assessment of, well, how does your brand come across? You know, is it yeah. is it come across like you're a startup or does it come across that you actually look professional and that sort of thing? This has been great. I think one of the things you and I should do, in addition to this session that we're going to do with Chad, I think we should come back at some point and just talk digital marketing for GovCons. Yeah. I think that would be a really good topic, like how they can use some digital marketing to generate some leads and things. Um, That would be a really great topic. Thanks for coming on today and talking about all this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it too. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.